This is episode number 22 with Dr. Paul Jenkins, Stephen H., Sarah Gregg, Patrick Dominguez, and Dr. Christina Heilmann. Welcome to the Mindset Horizon podcast. My name is Tibor Nard, mindset and performance coach and the founder of Mindset Horizon. The mission of this weekly show is to reveal the disruptive mindset of purpose-driven entrepreneurs, high performers, visionaries, and changemakers so you can transform your mindset, realize your full potential, and execute on your dreams. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Now let's get started. Welcome back everyone to the Mindset Horizon podcast. I'm really excited to announce that today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a 30-day free trial membership. By signing up for free, you are going to receive your first free audiobook and two free Audible originals. Go to mindsethorizon.com forward slash audiobook and sign up for a 30-day free trial membership today. That's mindsethorizon.com forward slash audiobook. That's A-U-D-I-O-B-O-O-K. Again, that's mindsethorizon.com forward slash audiobook. Get the free trial, the free audiobook and two free Audible originals today. And now let's dive into the episode. As you guys all know, in 2019, we released over 20 transformational episodes on mindset, personal development, and business. And I've had the privilege to interview some really incredible guests on the show, where we talked about one of my favorite topics, how to cultivate an empowering mindset, transform fears and limiting beliefs so that you can execute on your dreams. Today's episode is a special one where we put together the five most transformational conversations of 2019 so that you can make 2020 your best year yet. Before introducing today's guest, I want to thank you for joining me on this journey in 2019 and I wish you guys a happy new year full of joy, happiness and success and see you guys in 2020. And now let me introduce today's guests. Dr. Paul Jenkins, who is a clinical psychologist specializing in the science and practice of positivity. As a coach, keynote speaker, trainer, author, and the host of a popular podcast, Live on Purpose Radio and YouTube channel, Live on Purpose TV, Dr. Paul empowers individuals, families, and influencers to go far beyond traditional therapy or positive thinking programs to create and live the life they love through powerful positive psychology processes. Stephen Aish, who is a mindset and peak performance coach, he has a degree in psychology, a master's in strength and conditioning, and now coaches athletes, business owners, and coaches looking to master the inner game, own their health, and then have a huge impact during their time on this amazing journey. Sarah Gregg, who is a relatable, no-nonsense expert on mindset, happiness, and flow. Sarah is a member of the British Psychological Society, certified NLP practitioner, life coach and business coach with over a decade of experience in the field. Patrick Dominguez, who is the co-founder of The Big Shift, a highly successful business coaching company. He and his business partner build their coaching business to nearly $5 million in revenue per year. Patrick has personally coached and trained thousands of business owners to grow their business and to live their purpose. Patrick specializes in helping business owners transform their deep inner blocks that unconsciously push away success with money, love, and business. 
Dr. Christina Heilmann, who is a mental strength coach, speaker, author, and mountain athlete, who for the past 20 years has helped empower people to go beyond their limitations to achieve peak levels of physical, mental, and lifestyle performance. Dr. Chris loves to climb, ski, and play in the mountains, so she understands how to excellent the mental game, not from the armchair, but from real life. All right, guys, so without further ado, get ready to transform your mindset and make 2020 your best year yet, starting with Dr. Paul Jenkins. Yeah, so one of the things which is, I think, is connected to this topic is the RAS, which is the reticular activating system. The things that we uh, perceive in our external world is based on what we are conscious about or consciously thinking about what we focus on. So when it comes to, you know, possibilities, for example, in entrepreneurship or in life in general, like what do I perceive in my external world Mm -hmm. is based on my thoughts, beliefs, um, and it's filtered through this RAS, if I'm not mistaken. So how can we optimize the system, for example? Well, you're getting into some brain science that contributes to this. The reticular activating system is primarily responsible for calling your attention to what's important. And mm-hmm. it, it's going to cue into those things that are most related to survival, first and foremost. And it will ignore things that it deems to be unimportant. And so it's like earlier when I when I called your attention to uh, the feeling of your clothes, for example. It was completely unimportant up until I mentioned it. And then your reticular activating system, which is a, an actual structure in your brain, kicks in and says, hey, Tibor, d- d- pay attention to that. It's important. Apparently, because, you know, Dr. Paul mentioned it. Um, it. It becomes important to you. So that reticular activating system can work for us or work against us. And this is, this is true of many parts of your brain. They just get into autopilot or programming until we intentionally steer them another direction. Mm. So can I share one of the processes with you that's obvious but unnoticed? Yeah, definitely. I would love to hear that. I have labeled this one evaluation. And this is a process that is going on in your mind all the time, but you don't necessarily notice it. So evaluation is kind of like judgment, right? Mm -hmm. Notice for a moment that you are constantly judging. You can't turn it off. And most of us judge ourselves, sometimes kind of harshly. We, We judge our relationships we judge our situation, our income, our job. You work with entrepreneurs a lot. We, we constantly are judging our success. We judge our children. We, we judge each other. You're judging me. <laughs> it's cool. I'm judging you. We can't yeah. turn it off. I just want people to notice it. Now, and the word evaluation itself implies comparison with some standard. So am I a tall man? Well, you can't even see me. Sometimes I show a picture. I'm six foot two, okay? I'm not sure what that is in in (laughs) In me. Yeah. Uh, 
I'm, I'm six foot two, okay? And that's reasonably tall compared to most people. I have a colleague here in the National Speakers Association named Mark Eaton. Mm-hmm. Mark is a former center of a professional NBA team here in Utah. He's seven foot four. Mm. And he towers above me. So if I show my audience a picture of me next to Mark and I ask him, am I a tall man? They're like, well, you don't look very tall compared to him. So the answer to that question, am I a tall man, depends on who or what you choose to compare me to. Mm. And, And I'm not here to tell people how to think. I just want them to see that they are. Now, check this out. Your situation in life, whether it's your finances, your business, your relationship, your health, whatever it is, is always, now my editor tells me to always avoid the word always, okay, but I just used it. (laughs) Your, Your what it is, is always between better and worse. Mm. In other words, no matter what's going on in your life, it could always be better. True? Yeah. And is that true the other direction? It could always be worse. So when we judge our situation and we declare it to be bad or good, that has to be in relation to some imagined standard that's either better or worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, a quick example of that, Tibor, I had my nephew fell from a 30-foot cliff. Mm-hmm. Okay, now your imagination is already coming up with all kinds of possible scenarios of how that turned out. Yeah, yeah. And I was um, really, really nervous when I got the text from my sister that said, uh, Talon fell from this cliff. And and then I, I, I opened up the full text and I saw that he broke both of his ankles. Mm-hmm. Okay, now I was worried that he had died. Yeah. Oh or that yeah. he'll be paralyzed, you know. Yeah. He broke both of his ankles. Now, is, is are two broken ankles a bad thing? Mm. Well, compared to no broken ankles, yeah. <laughs> kind of sucks. But compared, <laughs> compared to the yeah. death of that young man on the on the mountain that day. Yeah, it's luck. That's a great outcome. Yeah. And so here we are feeling really good about my nephew's two broken ankles. Right? What is wrong with us? <laughs> Well, yeah. that's and that's the point. Nothing's wrong with us. We're ma- we're simply making a judgment, and that judgment is mm. based on whatever standard we have chosen. And mm. until you see it as a choice, Tibor, it's not. Can I just repeat that? Until you see it as a choice, it's not. And you will roll with whatever you're already programmed to do. And this is why it's so important for us as coaches to call people's attention to this obvious but unnoticed process that you are constantly judging. And I'm not here to tell you how to judge your life. If you if you want to insist that your life sucks, okay. I just want you to see it as a choice. And, and you'll be convinced, or m- many people are convinced, that no, it really does suck. Well, Tibor, it only sucks compared to something better. As soon as you compare it to something worse, it's like, well, this pretty much rocks. Mm. 
Another quick example. I've, you know that I do podcasting as well. Yeah, yeah, of course. I, I had a young man on my show named Gabe Adams. Mm-hmm. Gabe is so inspiring to me. Here's the title of that show. Yeah. No arms, no legs, no problem. Okay, this is a 20-year-old young man who has no arms and no legs. Just try to wrap your head around that. I went through Achilles tendon repair surgery this summer. And occasionally I start thinking, oh, my foot hurts. And and Gabe would say, what? You have a foot? Mm. Right? Wow. It's perspective, see? This is the power of the mindset. And that's the first obvious but unnoticed principle that I teach people about how their own mind is processing their experience. You are never wrong about how you feel. Yeah. You're, you're never wrong about that. How you feel is 100% consistent with the way your own mind is doing this and one other process that I'd be happy to share with you if you want to hear about it. Yeah, for sure. I just wanted to reflect on this evaluation. Uh, it means, uh, as you mentioned, the perspective, right? And I think, um, yeah, afterwards we could uh, talk about uh, some practices, but I will ask you for that so mm-hmm. that we can do in order to calibrate this perspective or, you know, make it more positive. Well, since yeah. we're on that, what if we, what if we just grab a brain hack real quick? Yeah, let's grab it. Here's the quickest way I know to get to a positive evaluation of your life, whether it's your, your, your relationships, your job, your finances, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Gratitude. Yeah, I just wanted to say that. Gratitude journaling that I practiced, right? Yes, and this has been shown for years to be effective in helping people to get to a more positive evaluation of their own life. Because really, when we are feeling badly about our life, it's Mm -hmm. because we're choosing to focus on those things that we're not grateful for. Yeah, well, there's a whole lot of things that you can be grateful for. Even the example I just shared with you, my foot hurts. Oh, I am so grateful that I have a foot. Yeah. yeah. And you don't think about that until you see somebody like Gabe Adams who has no feet. Yeah. Or hands for that matter. Yeah. And that just blows my mind. So we focus on gratitude. Now, here's what here's how you power it up. Because everybody's done gratitude journaling. I mean, that's a pretty common practice. Yeah. Here's what I like to encourage my clients to do. Mm. Try just a five-day experiment. I call this the gratitude power-up. Five-day experiment where you come up with 25 things each day for which you are sincerely grateful. Mm. Now, here's the powerful part. Oh, and, and don't get lazy. 25 new things tomorrow. Don't repeat anything on, on tomorrow's list that was on today's. Okay? Stretch a little bit. Here's what powers it up at least half of your list every day is about the hard stuff. Mm. The hard things. Whatever in your life is painful, difficult, frustrating, kicking your butt. You pick those things and find something in that difficulty for which you are sincerely grateful. And Tibor, this changes the game. Mm. It flips a switch in our brain 
to allow us to start seeing our life as good and rich and full the way it is right now without changing anything. Mm. And gratitude's the fastest way I know to get there. So try the gratitude power up. Do that for five days. It's it's yeah. potentially life saving. I've seen it save lives. I want to dive into different topics. So one of one of them is um, let's start with fear. So and um, why do I want to start with fear? Is the reason that as a coach and um, as this as the podcast host, I want to support mainly high achieving people. Uh, entrepreneurs, sportsmen, and you are actually an incredible example um, to this topic because um, they are struggling with, you know, fear, yeah. anxiety. They want to, uh, you mentioned public speaking. They want to present themselves. Yeah. They want to start their uh, business. They want to scale their business. They they want to put themselves out. I don't know, Facebook live, YouTube video, whatever it is, but they have struggles, right? And mainly fear different kind of absolutely so for example fear of dreaming at the very beginning of the project or the yeah. business uh fear of failure fear of success fear of being ridiculed so we could dive into those different kind of fears but firstly let's start with deconstructing fear so what is fear i like, I like the way you mentioned that because that that indicates to yeah. me that you know what's coming <laughs> 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 right, should, should we really take a a rocket launcher and hit fear in the bullseye? Yeah. For most people, it was never fear. And if I'm honest, I think one of the books I'll potentially write is It Was Never Fear, because this is such an important part of my own journey, of my mm-hmm. clients, my coaching, working with other coaches that now understand this at, at its base level. Fear is hardwired into a nervous system that for a very long time has a default program of keeping you safe and alive at all costs. Now, what happens when we mislabel a thing that isn't fear as fear? Mm -hmm. We go into that same state, that shift to the sympathetic nervous system, the fight, flight, freeze, arousal, you get that washing machine in the stomach, the the tingles, the cold sweat, dilated pupils, your muscles are fired. You are basically ready to run for your life or fight to the death. And the third option is freeze due to terror. Now, interestingly enough, if you're familiar with Greek mythology, there was an archetype or a personification, if you will, of absolute terror, and that was Medusa, the the good-looking lass with the snakes in the hair. Mm -hmm. And... Medusa used to turn people to stone. Now, to turn people to stone is to petrify, which mm-hmm. is also to terrify. When you are petrified, yeah. you are basically scared out of your wits and freeze by default, i.e., you cannot function because the gravity of the situation owns you. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> you've got to then look at where we use this label fear in a way that doesn't serve us, but limits our options. Now, I'm here to tell you that there is no fear of public speaking. <clears throat> there is no fear of going live or posting content or having a job interview. Because when you own it at the level that it exists, you have your toe in the door and you are able to take 
an action step despite feeling nervous, uncomfortable, worried. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. fear doesn't give you that option. If you are face to face with a tiger that is about to kill you, you do not step forwards to pet the kitty. You are terrified. You're silly if you're going to fight it. <laughs> you're probably even sillier if you're going to think you're going to run away. <clears throat> you would literally freeze thinking, this is where my life ends. Yeah. <laughs> you would see it flash before you. It's, it's a simple That's fact. for sure. And that's an important thing with this hardwired survival mechanism. Mm-hmm. Fear is the bio, neuro, chemical, logic, whatever it is. Fear is the consequence of a very real, and it is so important to emphasize that word, real. Fear is the biochemical radar feedback neuro consequence of a very real situation in the now that could end your life or change every tomorrow. You know, if if you've ever been, you know, nearly in a head-on car crash, there's that massive <gasps> breath and you, you literally feel the adrenaline flood through the system where you are shaking, you're in a heightened state of arousal. <clears throat> Mm. that isn't what happens when you sit outside an office waiting for a job interview. It wasn't fear and your mislabeling of it is now this downward spiral convincing you that you're a failure, life's terrible and it's not even worth walking in in the first place because of what's going to happen. So the idea of this reframe is instead Mm -hmm. of closing every door, it begins to open them. So if we tie fear in with emotion and understanding our emotions, What I want people to start to do in situations that feel uncomfortable, that would potentially overwhelm them, that they would by default label fear. You know, I can't live stream on video. You know, I've got a big fear of doing this. Ask yourself a question. Could you, and feel free to nick these as coaches. These are such great questions for revealing what's actually going on. Mm -hmm. This live video that you are terrified of doing, Mm -hmm. could you do it for a million pounds? (laughs) for sure (laughs) and if that doesn't float your boat maybe 10 million maybe a hundred maybe a billion what's the figure that's going to get this happening because if there is one it isn't fear Mm. could you do this if one of your children went missing and you don't get them back until it's complete well absolutely it's a no-brainer well then it wasn't fear let me tell you true fear could you swim in that ocean with a hundred sharks that have not been fed for five days (laughs) probably not (laughs) you'd be insane wouldn't you it's almost a death wish so the thing to understand is if the situation is a situation very real that could seriously impact your life or end it what you're feeling is probably fear because fear isn't a volume dial you know you don't have a three out of ten that's a little bit of fear because i can feel a tingle you don't have a five or a six that I can really, oh, yeah, you know, my, I, there's a tightness in my chest and I'm breathing heavy. There's a seven or an eight where I've got the cold sweats and, you know, my eyes are twitching. And then there's a yeah. ten where I, I, I can't even move. What you've got to understand is fear by default is always max. It's always one. There, there's no little bit of fear. There's no, oh, there's a tingle. That is very different, <clears throat> but it's just been labeled mm. wrong. That is, I'm nervous. That is... I'm full of doubt. That is, I'm scared. That is, I'm worried. And as I mentioned on our previous call, there's modifiers here. 
because extremely nervous is very nervous, is nervous, is wobbly, is uncertain, is there's a little bit of doubt. Can I bring what is actually an 8 out of 10 instead of a 10 out of 10 <clears throat> down to a 5 or 6 by giving it its correct label and then realizing that despite its existence, I can still act and I'm actually okay because mm-hmm. I'm not in a threat situation. And that's the beauty of awareness. It gives you options. Now, this thing with fear <clears throat> really changed when I lost my son in a shopping center for a, at least 10 to 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought that fear had entered my world multiple times with, you know, p- people, I had someone pull a knife on me, um, car crashes, accidents, you know, blown myself up a few times as an apprentice electrician <laughs> working for the council. You know, I thought I'd had situations that were real fear. Until I lost my son in in the shopping center. And if I'm honest, you know, this happened over two years ago. I couldn't tell this story for 18 months without bawling my eyes out in public. And that's not to impress anyone. That's to show the level at which this has impacted me as, as a father, as a human, and as a coach. Because I consider myself a very balanced mental and physical being. Mm-hmm. Never in my life have I had to hold on to a shopping rail to stand up and breathe. That is true fear. Why is it true fear? Because I wasn't in control. The situation owned me. In every other situation, I was able to take action. It wasn't mm-hmm. a threat that <clears throat> completely removed my ability to respond or, or act. And this yeah. is such a game changer for fear because <clears throat> when you have the ability to ask yourself, I'll give you a great example. Many coaches are terrified of social media, you know, content being judged, someone coming on your, your post and, you know, trolling you or live video. And <clears throat> let's be honest, if it goes wrong, it goes wrong. You do it again. But the thing with live video, let's be honest, the live video is probably the big, you know, the big elephant in the room, the big terror, if you will. Mm. Is it really yeah. fear? Or are you nervous and you'd rather not do it because you feel nervous? Now, this, this, is, this mm. is the game changer. When you mm. stop labeling a thing as fear that actually was never fear, you've got options. And the danger here is the more things that you have a fear of, the more no-go zones there are in your brain that by default will not only look at this situation and say, well, that isn't happening because of the consequences, it will then expand that map to similar things and your world and options will actually get smaller and smaller over time. <clears throat> For example, you don't talk to the person at the bar that you like the look of that could be a life partner because yeah. should that go wrong, your friends are going to rip you to bits for the next two weeks and you'll never hear the end of it. <laughs> <clears throat> you know, This is the real danger of, of creating this Shakespeare tragedy that never exists where you're the only person on that stage suffering with no audience. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. So I think this is going to be one of my favorite topics. So, you know, I'm focusing on, <laughs> yeah, I'm focusing on the mind in general, mm-hmm. like mindset, mind, uh, meditation, everything that is connected to the mind. So I'm looking for answers yes. uh, connected to that. Uh, and I think we could deconstruct flow for the listeners. Mm-hmm. Like, what is flow? That is the 
most fundamental question? Would you define it for the listeners? Of course. I think to help define it, it's important to say what it isn't, first of all, because one of the challenges when defining flow is that there's so many preconceptions about what it is, and they tend to be on two varying scales. So on the one hand, there is the the superhuman, you know, peak performance aspect, but people sometimes believe, oh, well, I can only do that if I'm an athlete, you know, if I'm hurtling down a ski mm-hmm. slope or I'm, you know, on a surfboard or doing kind of like some crazy extreme sports. And then on the other side of the extreme, we have this, you know, just go with the flow, like just passively move through life with like zero discipline, just let the universe carry you in whatever direction. And flow kind of lives somewhere in between these two. Flow is really where we feel our best and perform our best. And it's the bridge between happiness and success. Yeah, absolutely. And so for the listeners, just to make it a little bit more tangible, like, mm-hmm. would you give us some example from your from your own life? Like, what are the um, what are your experiences? When do you get into flow states, for example? What are those activities? Yeah, so flow, I think it's important to recognize flow is unique to each of us. It's as kind of unique as our DNA or your fingerprint. So what flows for one person won't necessarily elicit flow for another. Mm-hmm. But how you know that you're in a state of flow, um, it has certain characteristics, like you lose sense of time, the sense of self disappears. Um, so if you think about maybe activities in the workplace where Maybe it's you're working on a spreadsheet or you're problem solving and you look at your clock and it's like 9, 9 a.m. in the morning. And then the next time you glance at it, it's, you know, 1 p.m. And you're like, where's the time gone? I didn't even feel hungry. I've been like totally absorbed in this task. You know, that's flow. For other people, it will be when they give a presentation, when they have a great conversation and a really good way to find flow experiences and why they're so deeply associated with sports, for example, or games is because sports, games, those type of activities, the the structure of those activities lend themselves to flow because they already contain the three core conditions, which is I have a clear goal. Um, so in other words, I know what I'm doing or I act with intention. I have an, there is an optimal level of challenge. So in other words, I perform that task or that goal to the best of my current level of ability. And then the third, immediate feedback. I understand what progress looks, feels, mm-hmm. and sounds like. Wow. Uh, this is really uh, helpful for the listeners, I think. So there are three conditions mm-hmm. to flow. So have a clear goal, optimal level of challenge, mm-hmm. and then immediate, immediate feedback. feedback. So would you tell us a little bit more about these each? So starting with having a clear goal, and why is this really important? Yeah, so I think this is honestly probably the most exciting thing about flow for me is because it's been so well developed that psychologists, mainly Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi, has narrowed it down to these three core conditions. And through his work, he's shown that flow can occur in almost any activity as long as those core conditions are present. So even in activities that are kind of a bit boring and mundane, you can apply the core conditions to flow to elicit a flow experience. So that can even be Mm. like doing the dishes. So let's take like a really random kind of, you know, example. So if your goal is to do the dishes, um, you know, you've got a stack of dishes, a stack of 20, that's your goal is to complete and wash those dishes and have them on the dryer. 
your optimal level of challenge will be how quickly can I wash those dishes? So, you know, not really slowly that you become bored and disinterested and your mind wanders and you end up checking your phone. Not too hard that it's in an overwhelm and that, you know, the kitchen is an absolute chaos because you're trying to go as fast as possible. But maybe you're going to try and wash as many as possible within two minutes. So you set a timer on your phone. And then the immediate feedback will be what you see, hear and feel. So that kind of sensory imagery that our brains love. So I see myself wash the dishes as quickly as possible. I see myself put them in the the washer and then put them on the rack. You know, I know what success looks like because when I'm finished, the alarm will sound and I will have all my dishes on the drying rack within the 60 second kind of Mm -hmm. time limit. And according to, you know, the work of psychologists, if those core conditions are present, then you will elicit flow because you'll be in this state where your brain, mainly like the prefrontal cortex, which is the part of your brain that sits kind of directly behind your forehead, is fully activated and fully engaged. So you're almost kind of in the zone when you do the dishes or any other task within your life. So you can apply it to work, you can apply it to leisure, you can apply it to virtually kind of anything. Wow, it's a really great example. And you know, when I um, I was wondering about actually immediate feedback, mm-hmm. like what it what is it so 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 for example let's give you an example i'm i experience flow when when i'm brainstorming or i do some kind of a writing in the morning like you know i'm thinking about my ideas or i'm putting some kind of a system together that i want to work on or having a goal or something and i'm coming from uh, architecture actually so i have an architectural background and in that we you know just uh we have done a lot of uh, sketches and all that stuff and I was always in that flow experience mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. when I had this really loss of self-consciousness and all these things mm-hmm. and so but immediate feedback what does it actually mean yeah uh in the flow state so immediate feedback is that you understand what success or progress against that goal looks like so um what So an immediate feedback is processed by the brain through what you see, hear and feel. So a really great example of how that works um, is in is with elite athletes and in sports. Mm -hmm. So if I'm elite athlete and I'm about to kind of ski down a slope, elite athletes will train um, their attention to for with that immediate feedback so that it can process it as quickly as possible so they'll think about you know I feel really confident as I stand on the slope I see myself you know skate down I feel my core engage at this particular point and all that does mm-hmm. is it's just programming your brain so it knows exactly when you're on course and then it can wave like a little red flag in your head when it knows that you're deviating off course so if we look at your example where you're you know creating the the drawings if for example then you're in that process of you know creating uh, drawings or writing or problem solving if then you see yourself maybe check your phone a bit too much or get up and wander or your mind you know drifting elsewhere into problems and resistance then you know that that feedback isn't bringing you closer towards your goal so that gives your attention the opportunity to say hey you know, we either kind of engage in this or you allow me to drift off. So immediate feedback is just simply progress. Some of it will feel natural, like when you know 
and um, what progress looks like because you're familiar with it. Other parts of it, you need to train your attention to do, which is um, part of the journal system that I've created for Flow. A, a big part of that is mm. training your attention for that immediate, immediate feedback throughout your day because we live in a busy world full of distractions. Yeah. And as I mentioned, it's it's really common that uh, entrepreneurs have these fears, right? So fear of failure, fear of upsetting others, fear of being seen. Yeah, and you mentioned this uh, patterns and blocks. Like, why is this working with these kinds of inner blocks so important? Yeah, uh, I want to talk about that. But first, I just want to, you know, kind of let you know what happened at that event. So, so after doing a lot of deep work around the fear, I uh, came on stage at that event where we had 120 people in the room mm. and just had a completely different experience. It was a miracle. Uh, I felt very comfortable. I actually enjoyed uh, presenting because, you know, I was presenting material I was passionate about. And during breaks, people would come up to me and say, you know, wow, that was so great. Are you, uh, you know, a professional speaker uh, or do you give classes in, uh, you know, how to speak on the stage? And it was mm. it was surreal, well, you know, because... Uh, yeah. You know, my entire life, I've been someone who's been really nervous in front of groups. And so people were asking these questions and I just thought, this is like so bizarre. But eventually I, you know, got used to kind of, kind of like a new identity almost of someone who is a professional speaker. And, uh, you know, in the next year we, we had 240 people at our event. The year after that, we had 400 and our event kept growing till one year we had 700 people. And just every year. I just felt more and more comfortable being in front of large numbers of people. And, uh, mm. and you know, I had the, you know, the opportunity and the privilege to present, you know, the things I'm really excited about and the things I think will make a difference for people, you know, to more and more people each year. So, so thank God, you know, I did the work to, to shift that fear. And uh, wow. I'm so grateful because of all the opportunities that's opened up for me since that time. Wow. It's, 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 it's so important and you mentioned identity i think it's really important that on that level you know we have this change right and we have this transformation that we believe that we are this person who is capable of doing these things right yes and so you were asking a second ago you know you know why is it so important to work with these blocks. So just want to talk about that for a sec. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, basically it's, it's the inner fear and resistance and, you know, self-sabotage and all these sorts of things that, you know, stop entrepreneurs from creating an amazing business and creating wealth, getting out there and making the difference you're here to make. And I just want to mention some of the typical fears. And, you know, if you're listening, you know, you can check out if any of these apply to you, uh, you know, fear of being seen or speaking in public or being on videos or in social media, a fear of being rejected, a sense you might be hurt or embarrassed or humiliated if you're exposed in front of people. Uh, a different one is a fear of looking at money. A lot of people have, you know, an avoidance of looking at their bills or their debts or their financial situation. They just kind of bury it and don't look at it. Uh, there's a fear mm-hmm. of doing things wrong, of uh, maybe people judging you for how you did things, uh, fear of being an inf- imposter or a fraud, or, you know, just a basic fear of what other people are going to think about you. And so, yeah, can you see how these sorts of fears would stop people from making money in their business or, you know, helping the people they want? Yeah. And, and what are what are those underlying blocks that generate these fears? So what, what are the reasons for this? Yeah. So 
I'm, there's actually five blocks uh, that people typically have that hold them back in their business. But first, I, this is, I want to talk about, this is kind of like the meta block before even getting into the, the five blocks. And mm-hmm. the, the first kind of issue is uh, most entrepreneurs aren't looking at what's going on inside in the first place, right? So there's often a big block or a resistance or procrastination or something going on inside and people aren't looking at that. So for example, can you imagine if you broke your leg and you had trouble walking and you had like blood coming out of the place where your leg broke and then you're going around telling people, you know, I'm having trouble walking. You know, I wonder why it's it's so hard getting to where I really want to go. And then if you just look down, you'd see like, oh, there's this painful broken leg, you know, that just needs some healing and attention right away, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when it comes to other things in life, you know, it's like, oh, obviously like, oh, you know, it's raining and water is coming through the roof. I should fix the roof. There's other things in life where we see a problem and we deal with it. But when it comes to our internal blocks, it's in some ways, it's not even the blocks or the fear stopping us. It's the fact that we haven't looked to see what those blocks are. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so when you have this deeper underlying stuff you haven't looked at, that underlying stuff there overrides your efforts to create the business you want. It also overrides your efforts to create the relationship you want to. And, you know, you think you have, you're in control and you have these conscious intentions that are driving you, but really it's like your unconscious is the elephant that has all the power. And so if nothing else, like the, you know, one of the biggest messages, you know, I'm, I'm out sharing in the world is if you're, you know, business isn't going the way you want it to go. If you're not making the progress you want, then look inside and see what's going on. And when I work with clients, usually the real issue is a level or two deeper than where people are looking. And so, okay. So it's important to look deeper, identify what the actual issue is. And when you do, things actually, it gets lighter. People are kind of, you know, afraid to look in those places. They, they're afraid it's going to be dark or scary or there's going to be monsters or dragons down there. But actually, when you look inside and you identify the, you know, really deeper issue, it feels lighter, it feels more manageable, it feels like, you know, oh, this could be resolved, right? So the, the, the thing that makes it really hard is actually to not look. So that's, that's like one big message I'd really like to get to people is, is take a look at what's going on there. If there's some sense of fear or resistance or sabotage or procrastination. And when you look and see what's going on inside, it actually makes it a lot easier to deal with. Mm. So how do you um, help people go deeper, deeper, deeper? How do you help them find these blocks? And so what are those five blocks? Yeah. Uh, And so the five blocks I actually call the I sometimes I call them the five blocks sometimes I call them the core wounds and the idea mm-hmm. is our deepest blocks the things blocking us in our business and also in our relationships and other areas of life it's our blocks are patterns of behaviors or emotional reactions uh, that we'd rather not be doing but we just can't stop ourselves from doing those things and usually these patterns of behavior, you know, if we're hiding out, we're not being seen or we're procrastinating and other things, they usually originate 
at some time earlier in life, usually in childhood. And at some point, there's something going on in childhood where there's something challenging or difficult or threatening going on in our environment. And we learn to adapt to that. And it's good, it's good that we did. Right? We learned to adapt and compensate to things we had to deal with as children. But then those compensating behaviors are still running in adulthood and they're running in our businesses. And so basically, I want to do a quick overview of what the five blocks are. I call them the core wounds because basically they're the wounded places or the hurt places inside from childhood that are still, you know, running in our businesses today. Yeah. So let so, me, let me just go th- through them. So the first, yeah, one, yeah. first one, number one is, or block number one is I am not safe. And so with this one, there's just a core fear of other people or being in the world or engaging in the world. A lot of people who are healers or who do, you know, deep sort of helping work with other people have this, have this block or this wound. And with this wound, people often uh, will do a lot of spiritual practices to sort of protect themselves from the world or they'll kind of withdraw into their own uh, mind. They can be very creative uh, because they're very sort of intellectual or operating in the mind, but they're kind of disconnected from their body and other people. Mm-hmm. And so like how this shows up in people's businesses, this block is they're always creating stuff, but they're never launching stuff. Uh, they don't want to speak and so forth. I, you know, definitely had this wound, so it doesn't feel safe to, you know, to be in front of people. Uh, mm. These people often aren't charging money for their services because they don't want to get the rejection of, you know, Wow. asking to get paid for their services because it just doesn't feel safe. And so this one is very fundamental. If someone has a, a feeling of insecurity or not being safe inside, you know, clearly that one has a lot of implications for people in trying to get out there in their business and being seen and, and marketing their business. Wow. So I'm not safe. This is the, this is the first block or wound, right? Yes, Exactly. Wow. So this one is super fundamental. And for this one, uh, if you have this one, the goal is to, and this is what my inner freedom process does, and I'll talk about that a little later, but basically the the solution here would be to cultivate a sense of safety from within. Because usually mm-hmm. with this wound, people are trying to you know, align their external circumstances. They're trying to do things externally to find a way to be safe on the inside, but it never really quite works. And so, uh, so the solution is to be able to program in, you know, a sense of safety from within and then you're less worried. So that's, this is what I had to deal with when I was having this fear of being seen and this fear of being on stage was just fundamentally, I wasn't feeling safe, uh, around groups of people especially when I was, you know, presenting or being seen. And so I did a lot of healing and reprogramming with this safety wound and that just mm-hmm. changed everything. Wow. Uh, it is so true. And, you know, um, when you mentioned this, um, that you experience that the mind gets in the way, this is something very similar to my pad because um, I'm focusing on high achievers as a coach. So my question is, and my curiosity is, what's in the way? So what gets in the way when we want to perform at our best? Um, I focus on businesses and entrepreneurs, so not really 
on athletes, but I think it's very much the same because we push ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, uh, to the limits, but we want to have this balance at the same time. And sometimes it's really hard. So how we can, uh, how can we optimize our mind? So my answer was to this, that, um, the answer is going to be in the mind. So how we can optimize our mindset and, and, um, that's what I'm focusing on with the podcast as well. So yeah, that's why we talk talk about this. And so, like, what do you think about this topic? Um, what gets in the way of high performers, high achievers, athletes when it comes to the mind? What are the biggest struggles that they face? You know, like I help athletes. I also help CEOs and other um, high performers, and it's and it's really. Mm different for everybody um is what i notice you know it's all based on like the fear of not being good enough you know being maybe an imposter it's their limiting beliefs from childhood of maybe they grew up with um not a lot of money so there's a scarcity so i just need to keep working and driving there's also like this ego of you know even though these athletes they look like they're super healthy and they're doing great things there's also this like achieving becomes consumerism like anything else, like having the big fancy house or car, um, achieving, I have to keep achieving bigger and bigger things. And what you start to notice is that your experiences become flatter and flatter. And it's really about like, oh, right. How do I be right here right now and be like, like um, someone had just told me they went through a bunch of podcasts for rock climbers. I work with a lot of rock climbers and they said the, the gem that they mm-hmm. took away from that was this comment off comment that I made that I, that I say to myself. Um, and it was like, I love myself today and tomorrow when I'm just a little bit better, I'll love myself then too. And so mm-hmm. I think we, mm-hmm. there's many different, ways that we get into in our way and a lot of it comes from you know our self-talk based on our experiences and Mm -hmm. so my question is is like well what radio station do you want to play in your head or if you've heard yeah like what radio station (laughs) it's your choice like what radio station do you want to play or if you've heard of Mm. the story of the wolf of two hearts i don't know if you've heard that story So no. there's a in in nope. the US there's the story of um a Cherokee Indian with um he's a grandpa mm-hmm. with his son and he's telling the story mm-hmm. of there was a wolf that was born with two hearts and the two hearts were mm-hmm. the heart of love and the heart of hate but only one heart survived mm-hmm. and so the grandson is like well grandpa like which heart survived? And he said, the one that you feed. <laughs> wow. So, <laughs> well, day by day. day. Right? So it's yeah. like that self-talk. It's, you have like, I'm like, do you want to feed the champion or do you want to feed the critic? Because ultimately, mm, yeah, really it's, your, it's your choice. Yeah. yeah. And so in order to have this choice, I suppose we have to have this awareness, right? Because sometimes we are not aware of this self-talk, right? We just feel that, okay, I'm not really motivated or something like that. I feel bad or, you know, and I don't know exactly why. So I suppose first step would be then 
getting aware of these self-talks, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I totally agree. Like the first, the first step is awareness and just being aware and you don't even have to change anything. I'm just like, oh, there we go. There's the critic. Like there you are. Um, and what I call my critic is Bob. And Bob stands for big <laughs> old bully. <laughs> and so and because it can really be good. so heavy, right? Like, like I haven't mastered this. I Bob still shows up for me. Like, I have my own shit I'm dealing mm. with, you know? Um and so it, it yeah, the first step is just just being aware of what's going on and just being mm. curious about it. Like, oh, that's happening. That's really interesting. Like, um, and just asking questions about mm. that. Like, well, how is that serving me? Well, oh, like mm. uh, maybe it's I like to eat chocolate because I felt really productive after work today. Like I deserve this. Like I need some pleasure in my life because I grinded and I was so productive. So I deserve this, right? That's like personally some of my self-talk yeah. that I have that I'm working on. Um, and it's just like, oh, it's just being really aware. And I still eat the chocolate. Like it's, it's a process that I'm going through right now. Um and I'm just really aware of it. Like, well, how does this taste? And bring it back with awareness, bring it back to my senses. Like, is this, does this really taste really good after mm. the first bite? Like, how do I really feel when I'm eating mm. it? How do I feel after? How do I feel like 30 minutes after? Um, and just being that awareness mm. is really just a curiosity. And then once you start building this awareness, then you can start having choices. Like I'm still eating my chocolate and, but then I have a choice. Like actually now that I'm more aware, I don't really want that. It actually makes me feel like crap. <laughs> um, and yeah. And then if you have a choice, like what I think is really fascinating is like we make choices, these micro daily decisions all the time. And if you think of mm, like the yeah, psychologist yeah. Abraham Maslow, yeah, mm, he has the triangle, yeah. right? And at the bottom of the triangle is just like safety and survival. And at the top of the triangle is yeah. self-actualizations. And so what he had yeah. suggested, you know, decades ago was like, you have a choice to either step into safety or to step into growth and self-actualization. Hmm. And these happen every single day. Like there's like 12,000 probably different moments that you have in a day if each moment is like three seconds. And each of those micro daily decisions, like they add up. And when you compound those like into days, weeks, and years, that is your life. What is up, Mindset Nation? Thank you so much for listening. And I really hope this episode's been highly valuable to you. And if so, please make sure to spread the word and share this episode with your friends. We are on a mission to build this community of Mindset Nation. So please make sure to go to iTunes, go to Stitcher and support us by rating and reviewing the show. And don't forget to subscribe as well. 
For more information about Minds at Horizon, simply visit our website, mindsathorizon.com, and sign up to our weekly newsletter to get the latest information about new episodes, Mindset Transforming freebies, tips, and insights. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, leave us a message, we'd love to get in touch with you and hear more about you. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. Take care and be limitless, my friends. <laughs>